Well, amen. Let's look in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to begin reading verse 23. I want to share a message entitled Faithful Sayings. Now, for starting off with the First Thessalonians chapter 5. Well, if you're opening your Bibles there, in the foyer is a flyer about our upcoming uh, couples retreat. The uh, theme is Abiding Love, and so we're doing everything here at the church rather than going out to Lancaster in that area this year. Uh, this is the 40th anniversary of our church coming up in November, so we're kind of focusing everything on uh, that we're going to do right here uh, in Towns River, right here at our church. And so make sure you get signed up. It's October 15th through the 17th. We have uh, Pastor and uh, Mrs. Uh, Settles coming to uh, preach and teach to us. Uh, uh, Brother um, Derek is going to be uh, doing six sessions, and his wife, Katie, is going to be doing one session. So we'll have one session breakout for the guys and the girls. And uh, then we want to also on, on Friday night, we're having a dinner, a catered dinner here at the church. And the cost is $100 uh, per couple. So make sure you get signed up. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good instruction. It's going to be a great time. So we'll be able to get together and uh, have a time of study and refreshing our, our relationships as husbands and wives. So make sure you get signed up for that. Um, the sign-up sheet's in the foyer. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning and uh, have a time to be able to worship you, a uh, time of study in the Word of God. I pray that you would send thy Holy Spirit upon us, that he would be our teacher this morning. Uh, help us to be able to make some sound applications of the Word in our life, uh, where it will make a difference. Uh, uh, Lord, it will strengthen us, it will challenge us, Lord, it will convict us. And so I pray, Lord, that you might just speak to us in a great way this morning. It's our desire to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, uh, just help us to do that. And we'll be careful to give all the praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And the apostle is making a, some sincere, quick comments as he comes to the end of this book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, his desire was for the Thessalonians to grow and be strong and be established in their faith. And certainly that ought to be our desire and longing constantly as Christians to continue to grow and be established in our faith. He reminds us in verse 23 of the sanctification of God. He says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he focuses on the whole aspect of what man is. He's a body, he's a soul, he's a spirit. And his desire, the Apostle Paul, would, was that we would be sanctified, live our life in reference to the sanctification of God. 
And to be sanctified is to be separated or set apart. When God saves us, he separates us from our sins. But he also separates us unto himself. And so Paul's reminding these believers that, now listen, remember, there is a sanctification that takes place uh, when you get saved. And that sanctification is to be lived out for the glory of God. So he, he reminds them, reminds us of the sanctification of God. Notice in verse 25, he challenges us to pray. He says, brethren, pray for us. And uh, how we need to be challenged over and over again, uh, we can, it's very easy to become negligent in our prayer uh, times. And so we need to remind ourselves that we need to pray. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be preaching on the intercessory prayer of Jesus and I'm going to be passing out a calendar for 40 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, we have two things that we need to fast and pray for. And that's we need to pray, fast and pray for our upcoming elections. And then we need to fast and pray for the anniversary of the church in November. And so I made a little map with lines that shows where you go. You don't have to fast for 40 days, but uh, it might be good for you to pray for 40 days. Amen. And uh, there's 40 days going up to the election. It starts on September 25th to, to the election day is 40 days. Uh, when you come to the end of that, as you're praying for the election, then it overlaps 40 days for the anniversary of the church. So we start praying for the election, then we start praying for the election and the anniversary uh, because the fact is the church is the answer to the problems in America. And uh, even though we have people in power and authority that think the church is not essential, the church is essential, and that's why we're having the problems that we're having in our country. So it is desperately needed that Christians have systematic, committed prayer, and I really believe coming up this election and up to the anniversary. And so Paul reminds us, pray for us, and we need to be faithful to pray for one another not only does he challenge us to pray, but in verse 26, he, he motivates us to be sociable. And verse 26 says, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And uh, I understand in the days of 2020, of COVID-19, we have become non-sociable. Nobody wants to be around anybody. They, you know, you walk in the store, people look at you and they're scared to death that you're going to get close to them. I made the mistake of trying to say good morning to somebody in the store. I thought they were going to kill me. But anyway, <laughs> in church, we come in, we're scared to death to shake hands. We shake hands and we bump fists and we do elbows. What do we do? I don't know what to do. <coughs> I'll throw you a blow, you a kiss, you know. <laughs> we're scared to death to socialize. But God created man as a social being. And, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, there's many, many people struggling in the days we live in because we have lost that ability to socialize. And so Paul says, remember, you need to greet one another with a holy kiss. In other words, you need to at least acknowledge each other's existence, amen, and uh, be friendly one towards another. I preached on chapel this past week on sincere friendships. If a man's going to have friends, he must show himself friendly. So if we're going to have a friendly church, you got to be friendly yourself, amen? If we're going to have a sociable, friendly society, then people in society have to show themselves sociably acceptable 
and friendly one with another. So he reminds us of that. He motivates us to be sociable. And then he strengthens us with grace. Notice in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so how desperately we need the grace of God uh, to be with us. But right in the middle of all these challenges that he gives, he makes this statement, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. I, saw, I remember years ago, I preached a message on faithful is he that calleth. This is not the same sermon. This is a different sermon. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful sayings. Uh, God has called us salvation. God has called us to be delivered. But God has made some faithful statements to us to remind us of his grace and his working in our life. We often approach the challenges, the challenges in life as if God is not able to accomplish what he said he would do. If God has called us, then he can do it. If God has directed us, then God can fulfill it. And so God is faithful and it requires of us to be faithful to his calling in our life. So faithful sayings. Look over in 1 Timothy. We're going to kind of be right there in 1 and 2 uh, Timothy and Titus. But in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verse 15, notice it says, this is a faithful saying. Uh, Paul's acknowledged to the Thessalonians that God that calls us, he is faithful to us. He's faithful who calleth us. And so in Timothy, he writes to him, he said, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And so I realize this, a faithful saying that God has to us is a sure salvation. Uh, we can be assured of the fact that salvation is real because Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And so a sure salvation. Notice there's a clear acknowledgement of this sure salvation. Uh, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That, literal, that phrase literally means you can acknowledge, you can be assured of what God has so stated in reference to salvation will take place the way God has declared it to be so. And so that friend of yours, that family member of yours that you just think is a hard case, you'll never get saved, uh, this is a faithful saying. And it's worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ did come into this world to save sinners. And so that clear acknowledgement that salvation is real and it's offered to all of us, no one, God's not willing that any should perish. And if he's not willing that any should perish, then certainly uh, we should not be uh, willing to just let somebody slip away. I listened to a sermon the other day by uh, Dr. Malone, and uh, uh, he preached out a revelation on the silence for a half hour. What a message. I thought, why didn't I think of that message? It was great. But his silence for a half hour, and, and, and he was dealing with all the different things that can be done in a half hour. And, but yet there's silence in heaven uh, because of the judgment that's about ready to come on the earth. And he said this, he said, you realize that any one of us as we leave this service can take the next 30 minutes, the next half hour, and lead somebody to Christ. We don't think of it in that terms. 
We don't think of it that, wait a minute, God has made assurances that salvation is real, salvation is offered, and man can be saved, and we don't grab a hold of those opportunities to share our faith in Christ with someone else. And when we do that, we're not acknowledging the clear way to God through Christ and Christ alone. And Paul says, this is, this is a faithful saying. This is something that's worthy of acknowledging that God has made a way of salvation very easy and very clear for all peoples. I'm glad that there's a clear acknowledgement. I see also in this verse, there's a comprehensive atonement. Notice in the middle of the verse, it says he's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so a comprehensive atonement. The blood of Jesus Christ, that died, when he died on Calvary, the blood that he shed is sufficient to atone for not only your sins, but the sins of the whole world. And uh, that sacrifice that he had and that, that he did uh, was to provide sufficiency for man to have his sins washed away. I, I thought it was in that message that uh, Dr. Rome preached on half that uh, silence in heaven for a half hour. He said, well, the ha last half hour of Jesus' life, what did he do? He died on the cross. He, the last 30 minutes of the life of Christ was suffering and shedding his blood on Calvary so that we might be able to be saved. And yet we, we have a tendency to take as, have such a lighthearted attitude about it. This whole thing with COVID, we've we developed this whole type of light spirit about, well, it's not necessary to be a witness. We're scared to talk to people. We don't want to go to church. We don't, all these different things. Well, wait a minute. Jesus still died on the cross for sinners. The atoning power of the blood of Christ is still sufficient today to save sinners. Mark chapter 2 and verse 17 says, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus Christ is still crying out, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's still crying out, All that come unto me, I will no wise cast out. Why? Because there is a comprehensive atonement that is, that is necessary, yes, in 2020, right now, it's necessary for people to be saved. And people are dying. They, they posted numbers of people dying. And I often wonder when I hear the numbers of people dying, I often wonder, I wonder if that person was saved or not. I wonder if someone got the chance to talk to that person about Christ. And so a comprehensive atonement. These are faithful sayings uh, that, that we have a sure salvation. So there's a clear acknowledgement. There's a comprehensive atonement. And then I see there's a conscious commitment in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 15. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am pre, uh, uh, chief. And so Paul is acknowledging, he's consciously aware of the fact of his condition without Christ, that he was the chiefest of sinners. And uh, listen, we, we, cannot, we cannot allow sin to be commonplace in our life. 
sin has been uh, become acceptable in Christianity. And wait a minute, we are the chiefest of sinners. Uh, we need the grace of God to deliver us, and we need to be living our lives committed to the fact that God's grace is what did deliver us, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he came to this world to deliver us and to set us free. And so uh, faithful is he that calleth who will also do it. Why? Because these are faithful sayings he has committed to us to assure us of our way of salvation. That we should never get over that. So there's a sure salvation. First Timothy chapter 4 in verse 7, there's a solid instruction. Solid instruction. First Timothy chapter 4 in uh, verse 7 says, But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. And so solid instruction. First of all, Paul deals with what is to avoid. What are we supposed to avoid? In verse 7 he says, Refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather to godliness. And so what we are supposed to avoid. Uh, listen, just because we have internet access to every kind of information and every wind of doctrine does not mean that you need to entertain yourself by looking at it and reading it. Amen. And uh, we need to avoid those things. He says fables. You know, fables, old wives' fables is just old stories, things that are shared. Over the years, I've heard different people say, well, you know, the Bible says, and what they say is some fable. And it's like, the Bible doesn't say that at all. But, you know, grandmom so-and-so said, well, the Bible says, and everybody thinks that's what the Bible says, and it's not. So we're to avoid fables. And uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16 says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So there's nothing profitable in listening to stories. There's nothing profitable by entertaining oh, uh, uh, false teaching and false doctrine. Why? Because all it does, it manifests itself by creating more and more and more ungodliness. Uh, we often look at the world, we look at their churches, and we read statistics, and people are asking the questions as they scratch their head, what is wrong? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong. We did not avoid what we're supposed to avoid. Amen. And as a result of it, it has multiplied ungodliness in the world in which we live. So what to avoid? Fables. But also, we're supposed to avoid the physical. In verse 8, he says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, he didn't say there was anything wrong with physical exercise, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. And so the focus of the Christian is to avoid things that are fables and things that are physical 
because it's more important for us to focus on the spiritual. Uh, Jesus said in, John, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things, that's all these physical things, shall be added unto you. God knows what we need. God knows what we need to embrace. God knows what is good for us. And so we must focus on the spiritual things, avoiding that which is lies and heresies and physical things and focusing on that which is truth and spiritual and life-building experiences that we can have. So a solid instruction. Not only what we avoid, avoid, but who we trust. In First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse uh, eight, or my verse uh, ten actually, um, tells us: For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. And so we know who we trust in. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is a conflict in reference to information, then we're going to trust in the Lord. He is going to have the priority. If there is a conflict in what we think is right or just or wrong, we're going to trust the living God. We may not know how it's going to work out. We may not, may not be able to see how it's going to come to pass. But God is faithful. If he has called us, he is faithful. And he has confirmed it by giving us faithful sayings that we can read in reference to his faithfulness to us. In 2 Corinthians in uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about our bodies the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, and the, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. And so we trust in the living God, irregardless of what's going on in the world. It may be trouble, it may be difficulties, we may be surrounded by just tra tragedy upon tragedy, but wait a minute, God is still in the throne, he's still in control, and he can still give grace and can still deliver. And so we stand on and live on the solid instruction of the faithful sayings of God. So we see what we avoid, we see what we trust, and then we see how we live. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 12, says, Let no man despise thy youth. But, he says, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so he outlines for us how we are supposed to live. We stay faithful 
Uh, we don't allow people to intimidate us. Uh, we stay faithful to what we've learned, what we've studied, what we share. And we, God's gifted us with talents and um, uh, ministries that we live out for his glory. And we continue to live in that way. Why? Because in doing that, we can not only save ourselves, but save others also. And so I, I really believe the world is looking for people who are real, who are sincere, who hold to the faith. When they say they're a Christian, that, that it's important for them to be a Christian, they're going to live out their faith, and they will not compromise. And so we have faithful sayings that God has given us in fulfilling his call upon us and his ability to accomplish his work in our life. So we have a sure salvation. We have a solid instruction. 2 Timothy, we'll turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Continuing with this thought, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, we have sincere identification. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so uh, we have the sincere identification that we live in Christ. That's why Paul would say in uh, uh, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And uh, knowing that, wait a minute, our life is hid in Christ, and so we live our life completely based on who Jesus is. Uh, we don't live based on our old lifestyles, our old past, or trends in the world. We live based on who Christ is. In Romans chapter 6, in uh, verse uh, 8, chapter 6 and verse 8, uh, Paul helps us understand what does that mean, living out in our life in Christ. Romans 6 and 8 says, No, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So that's why Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. We're to die to ourselves daily because we live in Christ. Verse 9 of Romans 6, it says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so Paul reminds us very clearly and vividly that we are to live in Christ Jesus. And uh, we're not to live in this world. Uh, we're to reign with Christ. We will reign with Christ. Uh, because he tells us here, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Uh, you know, when you think of Bible prophecy, you think of Jesus Christ coming again. You think about the millennial kingdom of Christ. Uh, we're reigning with Christ during that time. And so we need to live our life in, under the authority of Christ and knowing that, wait a minute, we are above the world and the society that we live in. And so they cannot dictate to us who we are or how we live or how we worship. We reign with Jesus Christ. And then we're one in Christ. Paul is dealing with here the fact that we are in Christ, that we are all one in Christ. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, 
which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And so we are in Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. And so uh, this is a faithful saying. Christians, no matter what goes on, we live our life in the realm of the faithful sayings of God. We're saved. We're assured of the fact that we're saved. Where we know what we believe and we hold to what we believe. And then we're, we're identified with Christ in Christ alone. They were called first, Christians first, in Antioch. And the reason why they were called Christians because they lived out their life like Christ. And so we need to live out our life. Being a Christian is more than just being a name tagged to you. You're a Christian. Uh, it's living a life out that depicts and, and shows forth the character traits of Jesus Christ. And then in Titus chapter 3, in uh, verse 8, we see the servant in action. And uh, Titus chapter 3, in verse 8, there's another faithful saying. Titus 3, 8 says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And man that is a heretic after the first and second admonish, uh, reject, reject, knowing that he that is such is a subverter and sinneth being condemned of himself. And so the action of uh, the servant. First of all, notice the, the faithful confirmation. In verse 8, where we read in Titus 3, uh, I will that thou affirm constantly faithful confirmation of who we are and how we live our life for Christ. Uh, faithful confirmation deals with reviewing what we believe uh, and we need to review what we believe uh, and it's because of the fact we're constantly being bombarded with false teaching and false doctrine uh, it, it, it is out of control I tell you it really is out of control and uh, every everything that comes across my desk uh, I, I have to read it with a fine print so to speak to see what's going on there i need magnifying glass to read fine print but anyway but i need to examine it and make sure it's right and it's it's on target and so we need to review what we believe and this is why i've seen so many people who are saved born again secure in christ growing serving the lord and then all of a sudden they get all involved with a church that is doctrinally unsound my, my question is just simply, what happened? As Paul asked the Galatians, uh, who bewitched you? Who drew you away? And I think it's because we're not reviewing what we believe. We need to constantly reaffirm who we are, how we got saved, how we're supposed to live, because of the fact that the world is rapidly changing and because it's rapidly changing, it's drawing people that are Christians right into it. And so faithful confirmation, uh, the things that will that thou affirm constantly, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. So not only faithful confirmation, but a faithful obligation. 
we're aware of the fact that we are obligated to live for the Lord. It says maintaining good works. And so the Christian is supposed to have life and a ministry that is based on the good works that we receive from Christ. And that means to rehearse what you are to do. So not only are we to review what we believe, but it's a faithful saying that we're to rehearse what we're supposed to do. Uh, this whole thing with COVID-19, people have gotten comfortable with being home. And I mean, pastors, churches all across America saying the same thing. And people have become too comfortable with being at home, and they have forgotten what they're supposed to do as a Christian. It doesn't matter if there's a, a virus in the land. I don't, it doesn't matter whether there's a revolution in the land. It doesn't matter whether there's persecution in the land. The Christian still has an obligation to maintain good works. We still have an obligation to live out our Christian life. We still have an obligation to minister the word of God to others. Uh, that doesn't change because the world changes. And uh, so uh, I believe we need to follow the faithful saying of Paul to Titus. Hey, we not only need to affirm, uh, constantly uh, affirm who we are and what we believe, but we need to remind ourselves and rehearse what is my Christian life? What does it mean to live that Christian life? And then live it out for the glory of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we know that it says, Paul says very clearly there, that God had created us for good works. Uh, James tells us in James 4, him to know to, good, to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And uh, this, this whole situation with dealing with out in California with John MacArthur and and uh, the rulings against them and, and saying they can't gather as a church and, and worship and all this, that, that is a lie out of the pits of hell. And the, man does not control and manipulate the church. And I think we as Christians have forgotten what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in church. We're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be discipling. We're supposed to be doing all those things. And so Paul says we need to be careful that we maintain good works, servants in action. Then we see, he says, these things are good and profitable unto men. So faithful submission. And why would we be faithful to uh, maintain good works and confirm constantly what we believe? Uh, because that's what is good and profitable unto man. So that means remember our source for success. And uh, what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live is based on uh, who God is and what God has promised to do in our life. All the way back in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And I often wonder if the problems and difficulties we are having is because that we have forgotten our source of success. 
And as a Christian, we don't abandon the word of God. As a Christian, we don't ignore the word of God. As a Christian, we don't uh, 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 refuse to live out our life as a Christian. You say, well, things aren't just really acceptable and things are just really hard. I know that. But that's okay. God is still faithful. And God has still called us. And whatever God's called us to be or to do, he'll accomplish that in us. And so we just need a promise from God. We need a faithful saying from God. And the faithful sayings of God gives us a sure salvation. It gives us a solid foundation in reference to the instruction that we receive. It gives us sincere identification. We are one with Christ. We're not one with the world. And yes, we are different than the world. And I, I don't understand why we got this mentality that we think we ought to be accepted within the world. We're not. We're accepted in Christ. And then service, service in action. We have been called to minister the gospel of Christ to others. And so we should be finding ways that we can share the gospel with others, even with these weird days in which we are living in. Uh, COVID-19 will be gone. And I'll guarantee you that it will be gone. Then there'll be another one here. But we still need to live our Christian life. We still need to, to respond to one another. We have the couples retreat coming up. There's things I'm planning for the anniversary of the church. The church has got to be together. Uh, I want everything here. I want everybody together. We need to come together and lift up the name of Christ. And uh, you say, well, why would we do that? Because faithful is God. Faithful is the one who calls us. He'll do what he has promised that he would do. And so we're going to respond to this faithful sayings of the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much for your grace. I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, you're faithful in calling us. But yea, beyond that, Lord, you're faithful to speaking to us. And we're thankful for these faithful sayings. Uh, that remind us of who we are and what we are and how we are to live. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Um, I, I know there's people that we come in contact with every day that are lost. Help us to speak to them. Help us to share our faith in Christ with them. Uh, those that are hurting and are questioning and, Lord, are confused, help us to give them the answers from the Word of God. Lord, we're just thankful that we can know that we're saved. And Lord, I would pray if there's anyone here that's not sure they're saved, that they would come and let us take the word of God and show them how to receive Christ as their Savior. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the faith, for the strength, for the deliverance that we can experience day by day by trusting in the living God. So bless us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.